0: The world famous game changer show. Game changer show. Game changer show. Kizzy's Friday Game Changers, taking your business to the next level.
1: Hi, my name is eric Aide Patterson. I'm a co-founder of Seaboard Technologies and proud to be a Friday Game Changer.
2: Hello, I'm Millie Vincent and I'm going to be sharing some business tips. Think things through, but then have the courage to go for it. Take risks, but make sure they're controlled risks. Don't make excuses to yourselves or others why things can't be done as that's the easy option. Can do attitude can work wonders. Challenge yourself and you'll be surprised what you can achieve. Don't overborrow. Make sure you market your business properly. Know your product or service and know who your clients are and how you're going to sell it to them. Entrepreneurs can fail because their companies are invisible to the outside world, because they're loath to spending money on marketing and PR, thinking it was a waste of resource. This is a huge mistake that some entrepreneurs make. When the money gets tight, you can have the best product or service in the world. But if nobody knows how good it is, they're not going to buy it. I hope you look forward to me sharing some more business tips next week. Thank you for listening.
0: From the Business Game Changer studios, welcome to Kizzy's Friday Game Changers with your host, Kizzy Nkwotja. Kizzy is a publisher of Business Game Changer magazine, editor of the Successful Woman in Business book series and the best-selling Every Entrepreneur's Guide series. Every week, Kizzy and his guests provide you with the tools you need to take your game-changing business to the next level. Now meet your host, your mentor and your fellow game-changer, Kizzy Nkwotja.
3: Coming up on Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. We wanted to reach out
0: and give people the opportunity to be part of make-believe and give them the chance to be included in performing arts based on meritocracy rather than based on their uh, financial affordability.
2: I'm Kenneth Hafianyo, the founder of JobWefa, an ethical fashion brand based in Ho, Volta Region, Ghana. My Friday is never the same without Kizzy's Friday Game Changers.
3: Welcome to the show. At just 30 years old, Joel Kern has done more than most of us will ever do in a lifetime. In 2004, Joel decided to launch Make Believe, a performing arts school for kids aged 3-18 to 18 that delivered lessons in theatre, singing and dancing. In 2004, Kern was just 15 years old and still in school. His humble HQ at the time was his school library where he would take calls from parents, manage the business's accounts and plan lessons. Since then, the business has gotten, well, a little bit better. Make Believe now has a production company, it's got a franchise network, it's got a talent agency and events division and has grown to offer 150 classes to 3,500 young people in 50 schools across three continents. Two questions and we can all go home, Joel. Why and how? Why did you do this? How did you make it work?
0: So the why is such an important factor for me uh, because I definitely think it's about, you know, people buying into why you do it rather than what you do. Um, I actually, when I was 14 years old, um, produced my first show. And the reason why we produced the show was to raise money for a charity called the Parry Charitable Foundation. um, And they built homes for children with learning disabilities. And I'd invested £4,000 of uh, my savings from, as you mentioned, my DJ money. Uh, into the show we produced Grief uh, the musical with two of my friends Natalie and Sam and we ended up raising £10,000 for the charity so I took back the four uh, and I gave six uh, all the profits the 6,000 that we made we gave to the Parry Charitable Foundation um, and at 15 I, I thought not only could I um, help other people which was incredibly important to me but I could also you know do this for myself and actually start a business because I loved it and um, and that's when Make Believe was born in 2004. I was just aged 15. And like you said, we started with five children. And it's it's now grown to three and a half thousand children across three different continents. Um, amazing. Yeah. So I think one of the main reasons why I started Make Believe, other than the fact that the show gave me the inspiration in itself uh, and the enjoyment factor out of it, because I, I think it's important to enjoy what you do. But I think 15 years ago, performing arts was really for people that could afford to, to do it, um, you know, for, for the middle classes and up. Uh, and whilst that's amazing, and, but there was also a lot of other children that didn't necessarily have the, or came from families who didn't necessarily have the disposable income to, to be a p- part of a school like Make-Believe. Um, so I literally halved what everyone was doing out there in terms of price point, giving as many children the opportunity to attend and just making performing arts accessible, which hadn't been done before, um, and I think that's one of the main reasons why we grew at the rate that we did, because we were able to go into different areas, um, the, you know, more inner city areas um, where, where families did struggle or there were single parent families, which is what I came from. Uh, you know, my mum was a single mum, So, you know, she couldn't necessarily afford everything that. Um, you know, that I wanted to do and completely understand that. But as a child, it's hard to to understand and hard to grasp when your friends may be doing something that you're not. So that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to reach out and give people the opportunity to be part of make-believe and give them the chance to be included in performing arts based on meritocracy rather than based on their uh, financial affordability.
3: I remember reading that at first you you were teaching classes of just five kids by yourself, while you were also reading up on business and marketing. So it seems as though you seem to be getting yourself ready for this role of Joel as the businessman rather than Joel the teenager. Would you agree with that?
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, everyone always used to say to me, I'm like, oh, before my time. I've actually, I think I'm only now catching up with myself. In fact, I'm probably more like a teenager now than I am uh, a 30, 31 year old, you know? So I think for me, when I was um, at school, I was always thinking like, what am I going to be doing? Like when I'm uh, this age or where can I take the company or what can I be doing and I was thinking about cash flow forecasts and marketing plans and reading up on other business uh, you know success stories and how that could inspire me to transcend through my own company uh, make believe um, and I was I was obviously as, as you mentioned teaching children myself I didn't have the the, the the funds necessarily to employ lots of people so I always think if you're going to start a business start from the ground up You know, you haven't always got that that option of of lots of money to to start a business. You have to use your own resources and put your own time into it, which will hopefully transcend into something, you know, positive. And and obviously you can then reap the the rewards financially as well uh, to then invest at a later stage. But I was, I was actually uh, at school, there was a drama teacher and I used to run into his room whilst he was at lunch and read what lesson plans he had. And I used to quickly write them down. Uh, and then go to the class that evening at Make Believe and, and teach the same lesson that he would have taught at school to the A-level students, to my students at Make Believe. Um, obviously, I was 15, so I didn't have a teaching degree or anything. And uh, that, those lesson plans were really the foundations of how we then started to develop everything moving forwards. Um,
3: so yeah amazing I, I'm just trying to imagine you as a 15 year old running into the classroom of one of your teachers copying their notes and then delivering their absolutely it sounds as though in your case an entrepreneur was born and made at the same time but tell me, in, in, <laughs> those, in those early years what was the biggest challenge you faced
0: when setting up make-believe and how did you overcome it I was fearless so for me the I would say the challenges came into play when I started actually uh, employing people still in the early stages but when I started employing teachers and it was you know I always think you have to give the respect to earn the respect and it was hard that uh, as a 15 year old you know in effect leading team members who were maybe 30 or 25 um you know and i and i've i've always my father always taught me that if you're capable of doing something it, it, you can achieve it at any age um you know and i always had that in the back of my mind so the, my most challenging time at that in, in in those years was definitely earning the respect uh not demanding it because i'm not a believer in that so i think you have to earn respect but it, it it was hard in the initial stages trying to get these people to believe in in me and take me seriously as a 15 year old kid but i think once they've worked with us or with me rather for, for, for a period of time, you know, the, the relationships grew uh, and the bond, you know, became apparent and people wanted to, they believed in in the brand and the ethos and everything that I was trying to achieve and they were proud to be a part of it. Um, so, yeah, I think that for me in those early stages was was obviously, was definitely the biggest challenge.
3: Where does this self-belief come from? Because just as we're talking now, you're radiating such confidence. I'm just wondering where does this guy get this from? Because at 15, you can't imagine many teenagers feeling confident enough to talk to adults and guide them and tell them what to do. How did you become so confident at such an early age?
0: I don't know. I mean, I was very fortunate. I'd very, you know, I think everything, I, or not everything, but most things, I believe, come from your upbringing. And I was, I was very privileged in the respect that I had an amazing mum, my, my dad was amazing equally, uh, even though he wasn't in the home, uh, my parents had, had, had divorced, but I was a, of a very young age, so I don't remember, I was two years old when that happened, and if I was a little bit older, maybe I'd be slightly different, because that could have affected me in a different way. But both my parents, I mean, my mum was a, a foster carer, so I was always surrounded by lots of children, um, and again my I would always be my dad would always say to me in life you don't get anywhere if you're if you're shy you know you don't get anywhere in life if by being shy you know so he was always like you know even now if I watch some of my parents sometimes and they're nervous to throw to put their children into class that's going to rub off on the kids the kids are going to be nervous you know we always say to parents look in order for your child to to get the best out of this you've got to let them go into the lesson and get to know the teachers get to know the children get to feel comfortable within the environment um, and the one, the children that are normally shy, the ones where the parents are also quite reserved and, and laid back and a bit apprehensive about sending their children in. And I absolutely understand the the anxiousness or the apprehension of that. Um, but with my parents answering your question, I think they were very not forceful. Never forced me to do anything that I didn't want to do. But they were very much like, you know, don't be shy to speak to this person. You know, so I, I did. I was lucky to go to a number of different learn extracurricular activities as, as a child. And, you know, that's what I represent. You know, extracurricular activities for young people is so incredibly important because it teaches you so many different skill sets. So, whether it be horse riding, whether it be performing arts, whether it be football, martial arts, I did a lot of martial arts growing up. Yeah, you know, it gives you that self discipline, that self awareness, and that self confidence to, you know, believe that you, you can achieve anything that you, you want. Uh, with hard work, determination, and, and self
3: belief. So, yeah. Very, very important. Wise words there. Um, I think the whole self belief thing is, is core to our existence as, as um, game changers because often we're swimming against the tide and it's only that self belief that keeps us going. Um, but let's talk tactics. Let's just drill down just a little bit here because I remember reading that one of your first acts as a franchiser was to devise a, a training program which you later admitted it wasn't quite up to scratch. What was the training program that you came up with? What did you get wrong and how did you improve on it?
0: Okay, so with franchising, I think the most important thing when a new franchisee comes on board is being able to deliver on the, the, the tra- providing the, the right training for them to You know, have a a very solid understanding of what the business is about, how it works from every point of view, operationally, administratively, financially, uh, from a customer service point of view, everything. Because then if they've got the foundations right, they can then carry it forward and make it a huge success. I think with any business, you naturally learn as you progress and as you grow. And when we first started uh, as a franchise, it was really more of a you know we kind of did everything ourselves I've always tried to maximize the resources that we had and the team that we had and we basically devised the the training program uh, based on our own I would say limited knowledge at the time or knowledge that we had at the time and obviously you know we were I was pretty young then so obviously my experience within the world let alone within the company was 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 small anyway so obviously, as we've gone through the make-believe journey, and we've had different experiences, good, bad and indifferent. We've been able to incorporate that into our training uh, model. Um, so now we're in a very kind of robust, uh, you know, strong, solid position where if a franchisee came on board, we would be able to give them hopefully the answers to pretty much everything in terms of their franchise. Um, absolutely, there's always things to improve upon, and there's always things that we're learning and the franchisees are learning. But also as the network grows, you learn different challenges that franchisees face and that we may have not faced as, as an independent before we started franchising. So we can take those uh, challenges that the franchisees have faced, and again, incorporate it in with the uh, within the training so that those new franchisees don't make the same mistakes or don't face the same challenges. Um, so I, the training program is a development, is, sorry, is a developing um, piece of work or a developing uh, model that is going to be constantly improving based on everybody's experiences within the within the brand.
3: That makes sense. An organic process that's constantly being refined. Um, but hold that thought, Joel. We're just going to come back to our conversation in a few minutes. But uh, before I'm going to take a quick music break. This week's incredibly talented entrepreneur, this week's boss star is Roger Rosa, the owner and CEO of Cleveland-based marketing and public relations firm, the Eisen Agency. The Eisen Agency provides marketing communications, uh, business development and PR services to Clientele across the US and throughout the globe. Roger is also the global chairman of, and I'm going to get this right in one take, the Public Relations Agency Owners Association. So he told you I'd nail it. But when Roger's not making, molding, and mobilizing public opinion, he's writing and performing some amazing music. Here he is, Roger Rosa, singing Moonshine.
1: Funny how the full moon shines, the beauty on the sound outside when I'm quiet. I hear everywhere Funny how that drop of water Feels like a childhood laughter Doing everywhere Is laughing My cigarette burns My bottle dries I can't think I live Game Changers Show. Game changer Show. Game changer Show. I can't think, I can't feel, I can't breathe. In your voice is my sound, you enlightened, you can found. I can't hear, I can't speak, if I could only talk to you. Talk to me. more than shade, embraced by the feel of warm, enveloped in your charming life, and the colors all fade, my cigarette burns, my tabs are paid, I can't drive, but so I stayed in
3: Hi, my name's Andy Cracknell, Digital Awareness Game Changer Strategist at the GC Index, and I've been a game changer for 14,600 days, that's why I listen to Kizzy's Friday Game Changers.
0: My name's Julian Leach,
3: I'm co-founder and CEO at Parcel Point, and my Friday would not be complete without Kizzy's Friday
0: Game Changers.
3: Talk to me. Welcome back. Before the break, you were listening to Roger Rosa, CEO of Cleveland-based marketing and public relations firm, The Eisen Agency, and Roger was performing Moonshine. I'm in the studio talking to Joe Kern, founder of Make Believe International Theatre School. Joel, let's play a game. I've just made up this really good game that I think you're going to love. It's called Past, Present and Future. Do you want to give it a shot? Of course, definitely. Excellent. This is going to be good. Um, Let's start with the past. Joel, imagine if you could go back into the past and meet the younger Joel Kern, uh, 15 years old, hungry, ambitious, slightly naive, and you could offer him one piece of advice based on all the things that you've learned in the interim years between the age of 15 and where you are now. What advice would you give the very young Joel Kern?
0: The piece of advice I would give my younger self would definitely be to always... Keep an eye on the uh, on the ball in the respect that people buy why you do it rather than what you do, and it's sometimes you can lose focus on why you started something in the first place if you're doing lots and lots and lots of different things. But with any with any business, or especially with with make believe, it's always about keeping the eye on why you started it, and that was to always make performing arts accessible. Um, I would also give myself a little bit more advice about always maintaining focus. I have a tendency to get unbelievably enthusiastic about so many different things and wanting to do every idea at once. And I think it's important to focus, look at what is you, you can maximize the most based on what resources you have um and yeah make them a success before you move on to something else as opposed to doing a million things all at once and you know trying to get them all successful which is which is hard for anybody let alone uh, at the time a 15 year old uh young child in effect
3: very wise words, words born of age and of wisdom. Always keep your eye on the ball, remember your why and maintain your focus. Okay, that's the past taken care of. Let's move forward to the present. What would you say has been your biggest success? What are you most proud of?
0: I think the, the one of the things that I'm definitely most proud of is we did a, when we celebrated 10 years, well, there's a number of different things that I'm, I'm proud of naturally. Uh, Because we're working with young people and whenever a young person achieves, just whenever we get a child that comes into the school that um, lacks a severe amount of confidence um, and they won't even say hello to you. And then six months down the line, they're singing a solo in in our end of year show. Uh, That for me are the most proud moments. But if I was going to hold it in on a particular event or show, I would definitely say it's the one that we've just done, uh, which was to celebrate 15 years of success. And we gave 320 of our students the opportunity to perform at the O2 uh, on July the 14th, um, where we had well over a thousand people come and watch the production. And it it was an amazing experience for everybody. And it was something that we'd never done um, on that scale. And uh, it was a moment definitely that I hope the children won't forget, but I certainly won't. How, How did the show go? it was amazing. The reviews have been awesome. The kids uh, came off stage buzzing. Uh, You know, people have written positive reviews on all of our social platforms. I've had phone calls, text messages, you know, presents, you know, just just saying what an amazing experience it was for their child to have been part of such a a wonderful event.
3: That does sound pretty awesome. I wish I'd been there. Um, So that's the present taken care of. Let's just move forward now 20 years into the future. Where will you be in 20 years, Joel? Where will you be? What will you be doing? And of course, will you still
0: be taking my calls? <laughs> I'll always take your call, Kizzy. But I think the where we want to be, uh, for me, Make Believe can operate. We want to be in every community, in every part of the world, offering as many young people the opportunity to be part of the journey uh, as possible. Um, our ethos is about you know providing children with the opportunity to learn skills for life through performing arts uh, and all of our different other platforms that we uh, we have uh, and you know we genuinely believe that we can be anywhere and and hopefully we are in multiple countries offering thousands if' not tens of thousands. Uh, children the opportunity to be part of the Make Believe journey.
3: That sounds fantastic. Every time I hear you speak Joe I get the feeling that you're not just talking about shows you're talking about experiences that changes thousands maybe even millions of people's lives which is an extraordinary thing. Um, In 20 years time I don't know where I'm going to be but I've got a feeling that you are going to be extending your reach and transforming the lives of millions of young people but I'm not going to wait 20 years to say thank you so much Joe because this really has been a really inspirational talk I know that a lot of our listeners will be walking away thinking that anything is possible and that's all down to you. Thank you so much for sharing your extraordinary story with us, Joel. And hopefully we will get to see you again
0: soon. Uh, Thank you to you as well. And I really appreciate the opportunity.
3: Well, Joel's incredibly inspiring story reinforces my belief that to be successful, you have to have your heart in your business and your business in your heart. Uh, I think it was Sir Richard Branson who said, a business has to be evolving, it has to be fun and it has to exercise your creative interests. Joel Kern certainly embodies that idea. I hope you do too. Listen, learn and innovate playing as that is Roger Rosa, CEO of Cleveland-based marketing and public relations firm, the Eisen Agency, and Roger's performing Unknown Road. See you next week.
1: That's how it is, brother. it, look The stink on trouble is not who I am Had some fun on a Saturday night Nothing Sunday school couldn't make a right I think I know what it takes to be a man I took a walk You know where this road leads The path to hell is pain.
0: I'm Katie Farrell,
2: transformation coach, founder of The Catalyst for Life, and I love listening to Kiz's Business Game Changer podcast.